Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by VexEv co-founders, John Carroll and Eamon Colley. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So for those who don't know what your business does, I think this is the kind of first one we've had in this space. Can I turn it over to you guys to say, what do you do? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> yeah, so uh, at Vexev, what we're developing is essentially both hardware and software that's really centered around vascular imaging and vascular monitoring. So we have hardware that's probably best described as an ultrasound robot. Uh, and it's it's somewhat analogous to more like a CT or MRI where the output is actually um, in 3D and we just, in the same sense, produce a stack of images slicing along a length and then that's our volume. And then we have software which essentially takes that from the device, from each you know patient we scan and then processes that. And the roadmap and the goal as far as software is probably 10 times bigger than the hardware. The hardware just does the job of scanning. The software is everything from detection of disease, assisting in diagnoses, all the way through to us actually performing the diagnoses and allowing for pre-screening, proactive vascular management, that kind of thing. Fantastic. And so who are you selling this to? Yeah, good question. So for one, at least not now, it's not to the patients. So we generally, we see it as two real uh, different sets of customers, at least initially as far as where we're at. So the first group of customers are businesses that essentially perform imaging off referrals. Okay. So think of when you get an x-ray, your GP will give you a little slip, you'll go to an imaging center, and they are essentially reimbursed for performing that um, imaging. So that's our first uh, group of customers. They're called vascular labs who perform vascular ultrasound. And the core value proposition there is really around, you know, the fact that it's an ultrasound robot. So we're essentially assisting what used to be a very manual procedure, and the core value proposition is around both minimizing and reducing operator dependency. Uh, so it's about consistency of the data we get, as well as just straight up improving throughput. So if an imaging business can, you know, double the amount of scans they do in a day, that's obviously great for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the first group. And so in that sense, it's much more of a paper scan model uh, <laughs> where we just take a percentage of what they're being reimbursed. And then secondary to that, and speaking much more towards the long term, is you know, one of the core pieces of the hardware is that it's extremely simple to use for the user. Mm. So similar to, you know, if you scan a piece of paper, you just put the page on the guide and hit scan. You don't need to know how to scan. That's a similar direction to how we're going. So with the secondary market is that we would have our device in areas where ultrasound normally wouldn't be, mm. not because it's not required, but because it's very difficult to use and it requires training and a, you know expensive operator to perform. So really, it's, it's about accessibility at various points of care so that where patients uh, may be coming in regularly and those patients may be at high risk of vascular disease, we will be able to perform those scans conveniently. And in that sense, the customer is actually more a provider. Uh, and this is a provider who's essentially responsible for hospitalization and paying for vascular treatments and Obviously, where we come in is more in allowing for a more proactive approach to vascular management where we can allow for earlier, less invasive, less expensive procedures that have a higher success rate, provided you know, issues get picked up earlier, which is not necessarily what happens yet today. Fantastic. I really love hearing those types of 
evolutions in the space that you're in. And where is the software and the hardware today? What's your geographical footprint? So uh, to be clear, we're still pre-clearance, which therefore means we're pre-market, pre-revenue. So at the moment, it's just in terms of testing, we have it all on board the device itself. And we also use cloud instances. Long term, we definitely see a lot of this a lot of this technology just being purely cloud-based, which mm-hmm. means that, you know, our ability to sell and deliver from here in Australia just makes no difference. It's much more about distribution of the hardware and then the software is a lot simpler. But there are certain, you know, regulatory restrictions or hoops to jump through before you can go to full cloud. So we will have a much more of a hybrid solution at the start. Our office and RMD is based in Sydney, Australia. Yep. And then we've, our first market is in the US. And so it's more this idea of being able to build a good company from here and mm. distribute it around the world because everyone has like vascular networks and a lot of people have vascular disease. Yeah. And so how do you reach these customers? How what is that go-to-market strategy? Yeah, that's a great question. So Eamon and I, like our backgrounds are, we both have PhDs in vascular fluid dynamics and Before we started Vexev, we uh, were doing a lot of research around vascular disease and uh, vascular remodeling and essentially linking that with blood flow patterns and behaviors within veins and arteries. We published a lot of research, you know, around that and essentially that gave us, let's just say, a, a fair bit of credibility in terms of them being able to speak to customers who, you know, would be dealing with those type of issues and us just being able to really, you know, articulate the problem that they're dealing with and our approach to solving that. So, you know, long story short, it's actually just been through networking and Eamon and I just making direct connections with large, uh, you know, providers in the US, as well as, uh, you know, a network of vascular surgeons here in Australia and the US. So do you ever try and step back, given your background, us as financial analysts, all we want to do is try and find some models of what the you know target market is, what its growth is. Have you ever done that from your end? Somewhat. So, I mean, if you think about just vascular disease and the vascular market as a whole, that's absolutely ginormous, almost comical in numbers. In terms of last year, like it just in the US alone, over $220 billion was spent on just management of vascular disease. So that's imaging, surgeries, you know, everything under that bracket. And for us, we view that number, you know, in two ways. Like one, obviously, we come in and we, you know, want to do a lot of the imaging that's being done. But more important to us is actually reducing that 220 billion number by purely early detection and proactive management. So a lot of that money is spent on, say, like uh, treatment of disease and treatment of vascular disease is often treated in the late stage. So people arrive with symptoms of, say, heart attacks and strokes where your arteries are blocked up. And those treatment managements are usually very expensive, very costly, um, especially for the governments and the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. You've got so much time in the hospitals, that leads to further complications. And so it's more around like treating the disease earlier will save a lot of money in that sort of area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Prevention better than the QR, as you were saying there. And the growth in that market as well, is it becoming more prevalent? The vascular disease? Absolutely. I mean, diabetes is a huge factor in terms of vascular disease. And there's over 37 million uh, people in the US alone that have diabetes. And that number's only increasing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, the past few decades of soft drinks, tobacco, and alcohol, and, uh, you know, fast food, that's obviously contributed a lot to the burden, as well as, you know, less active lifestyles and things like that. 
And how do you see the competitive landscape? Are there any other stocks or companies that are doing what you guys are doing? So, I mean, short answer is no in terms of exactly what we're doing. So, you know, ultrasound is a massive market in itself. There's plenty of companies that produce ultrasound devices and machines, but almost all of those devices are, well, for one, they're definitely just handheld. So they're designed for a, I've got a 3D printed probe here for some reason, but, you know, they're all designed for someone to hold, which therefore introduces, you know, operator dependency, like, how a, they're called sonographers who perform yeah. ultrasound scans. Every sonographer has a different technique and a different style. And obviously there's years of training before they can even be accredited to perform a scan. I'd say we're one of the very, at least the very few, where we're designing something that's not for purely an expert user. It's obviously, a, you know, a massive assistive tool for sonographers. They no longer have to do the manual parts of the scan and can focus more on the diagnosis but mm-hmm. it's also about you know being able to put the device into clinics and environments where it might be in a remote or regional area where the a sonographer might not be for 100 kilometers and so you know in terms of that sense so designing developing a device that more anyone could use the only real competitors there are companies that are producing more lo-fi or like wearable sensors things like that that are trying to do that job of you know detecting something but at the same time, there are limitations, obviously, in terms of well, what even is the problem? What are you detecting? We just mm. are getting a signal. For us, it's more important to actually get, you know, we need to get the entire vessel geometry that we're looking at, as well as the flow behaviors within, yeah. in order to do a proper diagnosis and to sort of, you know, start moving towards early detection, prediction, those kind of things. And honestly, if there was like a hardware solution out there for us, we would have done that um, years mm. ago. It was more that there wasn't something that was accessible that you could, as John said earlier, where you can just, it's simple to scan. And so that you're likely to be scanning proactively rather than taking an MRI when you've got symptoms. Because like right now, healthy people don't go into MRIs. It's just like that risk category where um, not going to do that. And do you see the marketplace, I mean, the sheer numbers that you said, is it a winner takes all or is there really enough space for all these solutions out there? I mean, it will probably be somewhat remains to be seen. I mean, we like to think we're one of the furthest ahead in terms of our specific solution to the problem. And what's somewhat unique in terms of our product is that really with every scan we take, we're able to improve it. Uh, and therefore, you know, if we're taking thousands of scans before anyone else, then obviously we're going to have a much more, you know, further ahead product uh, than anyone else. And I think that's going to be a, a large factor as well as just, you know, we're selling in a lot of cases our device to people who wouldn't buy a device otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then once they have our device, it's unlikely they'd look to replace it if it was doing everything as intended. And is that what you're finding mm-hmm. in terms of those customers you know, or even the test cases, that once they've they've experienced and tried it, there's not really a need to have to switch? That's the goal. I mean, we've only just really started testing and trials and things like that, but that's definitely what we want to show and prove out this year. I mean, next year, a couple of days left this year. (laughs) (laughs) The high achiever. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like that's a really big goal for us is to show the customer that, you know, this is what our product does. And once you have it, you won't want to ever go back. And it's then just about being further ahead than anyone else. And it's more about creating the device as a platform as building software and layers of applications on top of that. And so that's where we see the expansion for us as we build more applications in the software space, as well as like 
building out the hardware. I think just the roadmap for software is just a lot longer for us than the hardware. Yeah. And from our side, on the finance side, we always like to see that growing, what we call lifetime value. (laughs) Right away. (laughs) Well, let's touch on those unit economics of the business. So right now, you know, it's very early stage. I'm sure you're in investment. So maybe let's even think about the next 12 months. How do you see your biggest costs going into the business and rolling out? Yeah, good question. Um, And pretty simple answer there is that, you know, it's obviously challenging being pre-revenue. I mean, we kind of picked hard mode here. Well, we've got hardware, medical mm-hmm. device, and yeah, we're currently pre-revenue. So obviously not a dollar can be made until we get the FDA approval. So what that means really is that, you know, in this next phase where we are producing prototypes and we want to distribute that to various customers over the next year is that obviously that's all cost to us. But at the same time, in terms of how we think about pricing model and the recurring revenue model is that we've really aimed to get the cost price of the hardware as low as possible so that we're not, you know, forced to sell it as a one-off big expensive purchase. That's not yeah. our model at all. We're targeting a, you know, recurring revenue model where customers are either paying per scan if they're being reimbursed for each scan or they're paying per patient per year if we're monitoring the patient. So yeah. in order to make those models work, we had to get the hardware down to, you know, especially in ultrasound device terms, very low cost, but there's obviously ways for us we can do that where, you know, we're not, for example, having to produce an image in real time, which means we can have lower cost onboard hardware and process things, you know, after the scan, things like that. But again, like short answer to your question is really the biggest cost will be producing multiple prototypes, distributing them out, letting customers use that, and then taking the input from them to redesign, change any of the hardware and software design and feature set then ahead of, you know, approval and first sales. So one of the strategies, I guess, is working alongside customers as we build so that we're building the right thing. I think the worst thing you can do Mm. is be in an engineering room and just build in the dark and then I have got something and no one really wants it. And so it's really around this like iterative feedback loop as we build. Fantastic. So thinking about the strategies for growth. So it's really all about getting that FDA approval, getting those testing out there. And then in the next 12 months, do you expect to get all of that to occur? Yeah, we do. Um, it's going to be a big year. But like, yeah, in terms of strategy for growth, that doesn't mean, you know, by the end of next year, we've got to sell thousands and thousands of units. That would be a little risky. Instead, the real priority is working with customers that are not necessarily single one-off businesses, but large distributed chains. So, um, you know, in terms of the monitoring products, that's being sold to dialysis chains in the US. Yep. And these chains, are, if you're not aware, they're enormous there's over 500,000 patients in the US on dialysis in any given year, and that number is only going up. But then the interesting thing is there's probably about seven providers that are just take the lot. And two of those providers, Fresenius and DeVita, are about 70%, just the two of them. So they manage 70% of these patients in the US alone, and so you can imagine like their network has a large number of facilities and those patients come. And so it's really about building a device that can go into a clinic, but then there's maybe like on average 55 patients going to that clinic three times, mm-hmm. three, five hours per session. And so that's where we're uh, situating a device. And so that's where the unit economics really stack up is around how do you scan patients at scale and deliver that service in high quality, high detail. But this is really where um, we can go is... Um, I guess, like in the sort of US market, is that like there is a lot of consolidation there. Yeah. We essentially just have very high priority, you know, customers there that we would look to, you know, in these upcoming trials, just really 
work alongside them and show them how it works, show them they can't live without it. And then, you know, assuming that goes all well, then they're just large chains where we can then just start to just distribute throughout the chains. And that's, yeah, in the short term, much, much more in line with our strategy for growth. And then in, in terms of the growth and like, I guess, from the other perspective is more that there is a push towards quality-based care. So there is a large push towards like moving towards like proactive monitoring, reducing hospitalizations. And that's where we fit in is like, we're trying to bridge that gap. Fantastic. And then M&A, have you ever thought about going and acquiring businesses to grow or, you know, you're so focused on, by the sounds of it, your vision that that doesn't really, you know, come into your mind? Yeah. I mean, like, we're probably not looking to acquire any businesses over the next 12 months. Uh, (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, not to rule anything out going Mm -hmm. forward. There's, you know, a lot of teams out there and a lot of great you know, incremental devices and bits of software that could be useful. But ultimately, we started from first principles here when we started the company. We started from absolute scratch to make sure that we we first just had essentially a checklist. Like what we're developing has to be accessible and insightful. And so, you know, breaking that down, it means it has to be simple to use, safe to use, low cost to use. But then also in terms of what we're producing, it has to be consistent. It has to allow for automated longitudinal tracking and so there just wasn't anything in the market that ticks all of those boxes. So we just started from scratch to do that. As Eamon said, if there was a bit of hardware that already did that, we would have saved ourselves two years. But at the same time, it's been a fun two years. Uh, now we've got our own robot and we're just like super excited to put that out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, Bexev co-founders, Dr. John Carroll and Dr. Eamon Colley for your time today. I can't wait to see this and how the next 12 months go for you guys. Thanks very much, Elise. Yeah, thanks very much. Great to be here.